Welcome to the VBAC Link podcast. We are a team of expert doulas trained in supporting VBAC, have had VBACs of our own, and work extensively with VBAC women and their providers. We are here to provide detailed VBAC and cesarean prevention stories and facts in a simple, consolidated format. When we were moms preparing to VBAC, it was stories and information like we will be sharing in this podcast that helped fine-tune our intuition and build confidence in our birth preparations. We hope this does the same for you. To hear more about us and to hear our individual VBAC stories, be sure to check out episodes one, two, and three. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Good morning, women of strength. It is podcast Wednesday, and I am so excited because we are on episode 19, and guess what? My very own doula client is going to share her two VBAC stories with us on our podcast today, and I am just so incredibly excited. My friend Courtney, we met when she was pregnant with her second, and I'm definitely going to let her tell her story, but I was a brand new baby doula. I feel like I was still so fresh, and I was just like finding this drive and passion for helping and supporting VBAC women, so she was one of my first, I think it was one of my first 10 births. I can't remember exactly which one, but I'm really excited for her and to, and to hear her relive that moment too. And I might jump in. I'm going to refrain myself from jumping in, I guess, on how it works. So we're really excited to hear from her today. Megan's here with me today and together we're going to relive everything with Courtney and celebrate her victories with her. One of my favorite parts about Courtney's story is once again, we have a VBAC mama birthing those big babies, and she's just incredible. So I'm going to go <laughs> ahead and let her share her story with you. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm excited to share, and you can definitely jump in whenever you want to. Perfect. <laughs> Especially, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um, I'll just start at the beginning with my first baby. So I was really young when I got pregnant with her. I was 20, and I just kind of felt young, and I didn't really know what I wanted. So I just found a doctor, and the pregnancy was pretty normal. We got to the end of the pregnancy, and I was measuring big. So the doctor wanted to do a C, or wanted to do a ultrasound. So I d- we did that, and you know the baby really wasn't measuring that big, but. The doctor just kind of had it in her head that the baby was going to be really big. The only thing I really cared about was not having a C-section. I didn't really have a birth plan or anything. I just didn't want a C-section. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't really know then just like the cascade of interventions, which lead to a C-section. So 41 weeks, my doctor, she told me, you know, we better induce or else the baby's going to get too big and then you'll definitely have to have a C-section. So I was induced at 41 weeks, and they started with a Foley bulb, and I feel like that was good, and it was painful, but it was a good way yeah. to be induced. They also started Pitocin at the same time, and after like five or six hours, the Foley bulb finally fell out, and I was at five centimeters, and I was pretty excited. 
And after that, I was handling contractions pretty well. And my daughter, my doctor offered to break my water. So we did that. And after that, they were kind of telling me, you know, you better get an epidural because it's going to get really painful soon. Mm. So I mm. got, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I got the epidural at six centimeters. And after that, it, it kind of went pretty well until I got to eight centimeters and they checked me and they told me, you know, I was eight centimeters and said, oh, you're probably going to have the baby soon. And we were excited. It had been like past 12 hours at that point. So then they came back and checked me again in a few hours. And they said, you know, you're still only at eight. And that was like three hours later. So by then the baby's heart rate, it had kind of started going down. It wasn't extremely bad, but it was kind of starting to get there. And also I had a fever after I got that epidural. I shortly after that got a fever. The doctor said she would give me a few more hours and see if I progressed anymore. And I so wished that I had had a doula then because I just, I didn't know what to do. I just laid in bed for, you know, three hours. Yeah. And I wish that I could have had someone to, you know, give me ideas of what to do. So she checked it, came back and they checked me again and I was still like an eight or nine and baby just wasn't moving. And so the doctor, she was really nice, but she was like, your baby's either just way too big or in a bad position, but probably way too big, <laughs> what she said. So <laughs> we go back for the C-section and um, I was sad. I remember like being sad and scared for the C-section, but it went pretty well and she was, they pulled her out and let me see her and then like took her away and swaddled her and then they brought her back and they just let me put her right next to my face because my hands were strapped down. And I just remember being sad that I couldn't hold her or do anything. Yeah. And they ended up taking her away for like three hours it was before I got to see her again. Mm-hmm. And like the reason why was just because they were busy <laughs> and they didn't bring her back to me. Oh, my but, gosh. Uh, that just yeah. makes me so mad. Like, that is, yeah. it just makes me mad. I just can't yeah. even, ugh. That's very frustrating, yeah. Yeah. Ugh. So then they brought her finally, and, you know, the first day I just barely remember anything because it was just like a fog after all the surgery and the medications they give you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I felt sad about it, but I was like already thinking about a V-back as soon as, you know, as soon as she was born. Because we really wanted to have a big family, and I that's why I didn't want a C-section in the first place is because I didn't want, you know, anything to limit or decide how, for me how many kids to have. Yeah. So started thinking about a V-back, and then my mom actually, I was a C-section baby, and my mom had three V-backs after me. So I kind of knew about VBACs and thought, you know, it wasn't that big a deal. Yeah. To have one. Yeah. After she was about a year old, we started trying to get pregnant again, and we got pregnant with our second baby. And so that time, that pregnancy, I was just really focused on having a VBAC, and I really just wanted to do everything in my power to make sure that if I did have a C-section, it was like 100% necessary and that there was nothing more I could have done. Mm-hmm. Right. So we had actually moved by then, and we were at a different, in a different city, in a different hospital, and it was actually a better hospital. 
and I was able to find a good doctor that was supportive. So then I kind of researched more and decided that I wanted to have a natural birth just because I thought it would, you know, not having that epidural would increase my chances of having a VBAC. And so then after that, we decided to hire Doula and we hired Julie, who we found on Facebook. <laughs> that pregnancy was also pretty pretty normal. I did have polyhydraminose, which was extra fluid, and I was measuring big again, even bigger than my first pregnancy. Mm-hmm. But my doctor was really, she was really good about it and just said, this is probably what's normal for you, so we won't really worry too much. But we did. she did eventually suggest I get an ultrasound, and that's when we found about the extra fluid. But luckily, um, that went it like resolved itself before before the baby was born. So everything went good with that. And then I went past my due date again. I went into labor four days after my due date. <laughs> and I was just so happy to go into labor by myself. I didn't even really care about going past my due date. I was just so glad. Yeah. <laughs> the labor started. And so labor kind of, I kind of had early labor for one day and then it kind of stopped. And then that night I woke up at like 4 a.m. and with like really strong contractions that were coming and they quickly got like five minutes apart. So we got ready and went to the hospital when they were like two or three minutes apart. When we got there I was five five or six centimeters I think and so yeah then Julie got there and everyone there was just really supportive. I was worried that I would have to like you know, fight to have an unmedicated birth, but I felt like all the nurses and I just had so so much support. So we were there and we, I labored in the tub, but they didn't have like a real tub. It was like a bathtub. A regular yeah, it was bathtub. so teeny, little teeny little <laughs> yeah. bathroom in this teeny little space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that wasn't the best, but after that, I think I asked them to check me and then my water broke. And after that, the baby's heart rate kind of started to go down. And I remember we were trying to get her, she was posterior, and we were trying to get her to flip. And I remember we did like rebozo, and I was trying like all these different positions. And they checked me again, and I was at an eight, I think. And then I kind of just stayed at an eight for maybe a couple hours. So it was kind of similar to my first pregnancy, and I was worried that... You know, I'm just going to be the Nate forever and never progress again. Mm-hmm. But but I was on my hands and knees, and eventually she flipped. And when I was on my hands and knees, her heart rate was really good. So I just stayed there <laughs> on the bed on my hands and knees for a long yeah, time. Yeah, I remember that. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then I kind of started to feel like I wanted to push, and the doctor checked me and said there was like a cervical lip. So she held that back and like pushed it out of the way, which was super painful, but it got things moving, so I was glad. (laughs) um, Then after that, I was able to start pushing, and I pushed on my hands and knees for, I think it was like an hour, maybe more. I don't remember. (laughs) But um, finally, she was born, and oh, earlier when my water had broken, there was the meconium in the water, so... They had a NICU team there, and I remember it was kind of weird just to be giving birth with, like, this big audience, but 
she came out and she did have like the meconium around her mouth, but I was really glad that my doctor just let me hold her for like one second while my husband cut the cord and then they took her in the same room, but they took her to a little table and cleaned her off and then they brought her back to me. And I remember Julie was the one that was like asking them to bring her back. <laughs> so I was grateful for that. <laughs> I know, I know how important that is because so many C-section yeah. moms are, are robbed of that experience and it's really important to them. <laughs> yeah. And so I was just, after her birth, I was just so happy and I just felt, you know, so supported and so empowered that I was able to do it. I also just felt so much relief that I didn't have to have another C-section. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that's the very first hospital birth where I had seen anyone birth other than on their back. Like, your doctor was so great. Like, anyone in the Salt Lake area, we all, we love giving love to the to um, supportive doctors and nurses and everybody. But Dr. Lowen at IMC, Natalie Lowen, she's, like, one of my favorites. <laughs> I would go to her oh, yeah. if I was having... You know, if I was having a baby in a hospital, I would absolutely go to her. So, yes, she was, she was very, very awesome. Yeah. And so um, a couple years later, we got pregnant again. And this time we started looking at midwives and having a hospital or having a birth out of the hospital. It was a lot of it was because of money and because... <laughs> We had paid a lot for our hospital birth, and but also just I wanted to have you know a more natural experience than what was in the hospital. So for my third baby, we went with a midwife, and his pregnancy was so different just because um, it was so easy. It was like the easiest pregnancy ever. I felt like, and I didn't measure big or anything. I measured normal, and oh, I guess I should probably say how much they weigh. <laughs> S, my first baby, she was 7 pounds, 11 ounces. So she was not the big baby they told us that she was. <laughs> and um, my second baby was 8 pounds, 11 ounces. So she was 1 pound bigger. Yeah, mm-hmm. a whole pound. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so this baby, I didn't measure big. I measured, like, normal or even a little smaller. So it's just weird how those measurements really don't mean anything. Yeah. Because <laughs> he ended up being my biggest. So with him, I was due on May 1st, and I kind of knew I would go past my due date, but I thought, oh, I'll for sure have him by, like, the 5th or 6th. <laughs> but no. <laughs> those days passed, and it's just so hard to go past your due date. But I was glad that I wasn't, you know, forced to make a choice about induction. The midwife was fine with me going past, and so... Finally, at 10 days past my due date, I was getting, like, really tired of being pregnant. (laughs) And so (laughs) the midwife offered to strip my membranes. And so we did that. And I had kind of had, you know, off and on labor before that. I think, you know, my body was ready and ready to go into labor. It just wouldn't. So Uh the membrane stripping really started things. So she did that, like, 3 p.m. And we left the appointment and went and walked around and got the contractions going, and then we had our girls with us, so we decided to head home. And when I was in the car, they were like, the contractions were really strong and getting like five minutes apart. So I was kind of worried because we lived an hour away from the birth center. So we went home and dropped our girls off and got a babysitter and headed back to the birth center. 
my second baby's labor was pretty fast, maybe like seven or eight hours. Mm-hmm. I so, remember that. It's perfect. Daytime birth. Yeah. Call me yeah. in the morning. I'm home by bedtime. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this, I was expecting this one to go even quicker. So we got to the birth center at like 8 p.m. And they checked me and I was only three centimeters and I was disappointed. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) we got there, and labor kind of slowed down, like the contraction space way out once I got there, and I was like, oh, man, I'm just going to be pregnant forever. (laughs) But um, the midwife, like, gave me some herbs and kind of got, things kind of started going again, and so we stayed there and walked around, and finally, like, two or three hours later, contractions started to get intense, and with this birth, I wasn't, I wasn't quite as prepared as I was for my first feedback. Like, I hadn't really taken the time to prepare as much, so it was a little bit harder for me, and it was a little bit longer. So I would just change positions, and I felt like that was such so key for me was changing positions, which yeah. I didn't have with my first baby. So eventually I got to 8 centimeters, and just like the other times, I kind of got stuck there for a while. I got to nine centimeters and then had a little bit of a cervical lift again so the midwife helped push that out of the way and then pretty soon after that I could feel like his head just come down and I felt like he was right there and I was in the shower at the time with my husband (laughs) and for some reason I just wanted to go back to the bed and go back to being on my hands and knees just like I was (laughs) with my second baby yeah so I went back to the bed like as I as like the baby was crowning like right about to come out and I got on the bed and then he just came out it's like two pushes he his head was out and then his body came out and it was good it was great (laughs) I got to hold him right away and yeah that was so important to me and he was eight pounds 13 ounces nice Uh, yeah (laughs) but that second v-back was just I didn't tear quite as much, Just I just needed one stitch, and like the recovery and everything just felt so much easier from from the C-section especially, but also easier than my first feedback. And yeah. Yeah, so everything just went good. They, yeah, they handed him to me and just let me hold him as long as I wanted, and I was so glad to have that. Yeah. And we got to go home the same day, and yeah, everything was great. That is so awesome. Yeah, I haven't heard the story of your of your third V back. Oh my gosh, that is so frustrating. Why is it that like these last babies of ours well, yeah, I'm just talking about my experience. My last baby was like that forever. It, like it was my longest pregnancy and you might as well be like five hundred weeks pregnant. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's crazy how um how these babies and these pregnancies can be so incredibly different from each other, even with the same woman. So, oh my gosh, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I I want to talk a little bit about um, the cascade of interventions that you mentioned at the beginning of your story. Um, okay. You know, there's really four main reasons, you know, four, I guess, most common reasons why women have initial C-section. We actually published a blog on our website today about those four reasons and what you can do in order to keep that from happening 
next time you have a baby. And I am not going to tell you what those four reasons are, but I bet you can guess what one of them is because we talk about big babies all the time. So um, if you've been listening for a while, you'll know a lot of the reasons about how we can get that big baby out. And so I want you guys to head over to our blog on our website, utahvbacklink.com slash blog, and you're going to find there a nice fresh blog post about the four main reasons for cesarean and how to not encounter that problem when you're going for your VBAC. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much, um, Courtney, for sharing your journeys with us. I remember that birth, and I remember, like, I was so impressed with Dr. Lowen and how she handled the D cells for your your baby, um, the heart D cells, rather, and how she would just, you know, encourage you to get back, you know, she'd do a cervical check, and the baby's heart rate would go down, and then... She would just say, well, baby is doing great when you are on your hands and knees. Let's see if that helps. And then you go back on your hands and knees, and baby's doing great again. And I was, like, really, really impressed with how how she handled everything. And I'm going yeah. to tell that story about your birth forever. I tell that story to people all the time because I had a similar birth the week before where the doctor just told the mom to push her baby out instead of getting in a different position and ended very differently, not a C-section, but it's very exciting. So thank you so much again for sharing your story with us. Yeah, thank you. We are always looking for more inspiring stories. To share your story or possibly be on one of our podcasts, post on social media with the hashtag #WhyWeVBack and tag at TheVBack link or contact us from our website be sure to rate us and share and leave your reviews we are excited to hear what you think for families local to utah be sure to check out our website utahvbacklink.com for more information on our vbac childbirth classes and doula services thank you so much for listening we are excited for you to begin your journey with us